Welcome to the first and maiden voyage of The Sebastian Show. I'm here with my brother today. Uh, super excited to get to do this. We are going to be launching probably uh, in the second quarter a fully banked library of podcasts, but um, getting to spend time with my brother who is one of my best friends. Uh, we grew up together in the Pacific Northwest and shared the same childhood, which is unique and there's something to be said about that. Childhood is probably much different than a lot of people assume just based on uh, a lot of the comments and feedback I get. Uh, and so we're going to talk about kind of our humble beginnings and where we've come from and where we're going. And hopefully you guys will enjoy it. Welcome, brother. It's, oh, it's go time. Oh, it's go time. Okay. Okay. But... Uh, it, I thought there was we we already like spent whack, you know, we like spent about thirty minutes before talking about a book series that will probably find its way back into. I really hope so. Okay, I gave really my heart and soul into that. Oh well, yeah, you, you did. You committed, and it was great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Wheel of Time has quickly become my favorite series. Dialogue probably five or six times trying to find the spot. That's the danger of listening to it at night because then know. you have to start over, and suddenly you've been listening to book six <laughs> since <laughs> you were. <laughs> His wife is his editor. I know. And so she it's, should have told him, hey, we're it, burning out. And it, <laughs> <laughs> book eight evidently is the favorite, and book 13 is the most definitive is what I'm being told. And that's the end, isn't it? Doesn't it go I to I think 13? it's 15. <laughs> what a maniac. I'm having a hard time with six. Skip. I'm gonna, I'm, I might go get seven and just see how it just starts. Skip it, though? Well, well I did read the plot on the Wikipedia. You did. I did. Uh-huh. This reluctant hero that's yep. in this, oh, why me? Why is this happening to me? I'm the most powerful being in the world. It's horrible. I didn't ask for this. And everyone <laughs> else is like, like, if he isn't is he he just, <laughs> Sign me up for that. I'll take what he's having. <laughs> what are you drinking? <laughs> I she wonder. Why are you telling me this? Sorry, bro. I, 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 when I study a canon, I, I, I go all the way. My bad. And then you'll want to read the prequels that explain all of the, how it got this way. Because the Bene Gesserit is sick. Are you telling me the entire first book is him becoming emperor? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No one's ever written anything even... Re- uh, Hamlet is the closest piece of literature to it, in com- as far as ascension goes, in my mind. Fuck. Wow, and okay. That's, and that's coming from me. Uh, well, I'll have to get going on that, because I'm going to pause on book six. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have a question. <laughs> yeah. And uh, see if you, how you feel about it. So... As the older I get, I, we have we both have kids. He is the uh, older not, brother, for the record. Not just true. <laughs> not true. I just I have I I got wrinkles when I laugh, and that's it. <laughs> Listen, I've had cats for the last four years. I've got bags where I used to never have bags. It's, it's really been a journey for me. You hide your bags well. Thank you. I appreciate. Mine are that. prominent. <laughs> 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 There's nothing to do about them. Well, I can't marry. Uh, so here's what I think. What I've thought a lot about healing i'm almost positive you did that in a large way in a previous lifetime yes mm-hmm. i'm serious it's true no, Talk, no. no and i want to i want to di- i want to dive into that because i think i am engaging in stuff that there's no way you could have engaged in this lifetime does that make sense mm-hmm. and i feel like i'm just now picking things up but i have this ancestral pull on that that like that definitely happened before but you're right um to give you the you and I haven't actually, I don't think I've had this discussion, but you intuited correctly. I actually was a walk-in um, at about six years old, which is a 
fairly unique thing. So a walk-in would be a soul that drops into the body after the fact. Okay. And so um, due to what is coming and what is necessary on earth, I essentially said, yeah, I'll be your huckleberry. Let's get to work. So I've been done with this plane, although I have uh, a vested interest in its success. And so um, it's kind of the easiest way to explain that for those who are going, what the fuck are you talking about? Basically, it's like you you graduated university and you're done, but you have an opportunity to come back and teach. Right. So that's essentially what it is. Um, so that that's why there, especially in our childhood, there were certain things that were, at least from my experience, far more impactful or traumatic for you than they were for me, mm. because that that wasn't that work I had already had done. Now, to be clear, nobody escapes the work. Yep. Everyone has to do the work. Yep. Um, so it's not like you, you get to avoid it. I just had already done it. That's and, so. and I get, that's the sense that I'm starting to like, I feel that this last year I've just been really cognizant of that. Like, cause I, the, it's immense and it's could take a lifetime and, but it is, it does whatever it needs to do. It doesn't matter, you know? So, but yes. I get that sense. Yeah. So, and I'm, I'm excited to move into a season where I feel like I have been, uh, for lack of better words, I putting it hidden, covered, shielded for such a time as this. For most of my life, I've heard, no, not yet. No, not yet. And there's lots that goes into that, I think, that is interesting. But I'm, I'm in a season now where I feel like it's game time. Like I get to come out and play. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm kind of moving into that. Um, it's increasing its uh, intensity, which is fun. And have you, have you lost interest in POTUS? No, and if anything, it's increased reluctantly. Um, reluctantly. Mm -hmm. So I still will maintain that if there is a better man for the job, then I will humbly bow out. But if, if but the what we're seeing. Yeah, but if this doesn't change, then um, then I will, I will run. Does that start local? I, great question. Um, I probably would run or governor first, just to get my feet wet. Yep. And then uh, president. But um, I'm really hoping that there are some amazing people who step up. And that doesn't need to happen. Because you're, are you reluctant in that? That's not something that's I, like I a don't desire. have any passion to be in politics. Hmm. If it, I will do what is what is necessary. I'll do what is needed. And so if that is called upon me to do, and then I will do it. But it's I don't. It's not what I want. From to what do. I understand about real leadership, you just signed yourself up for it. <laughs> You're, if you have a desire for it, there might be something wrong with your. Why well, I'm 100 percent with you on that. Like especially American politics right now. If that's like something you want to get into, it's kind of like mm. yeah. Uh, it's a, it's it's just I I like obviously you know growing up. Growing up in a military family, I, I grew up with a, a disproportionate perhaps love for my country and patriotism that actually I figured out goes back many lifetimes. Um, Hamilton. Uh, mm. Yeah. You think so? Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting, but, um, mm. but there's been a free, a few reoccurrences of this theme. Um, but I, I love the United States and this has been something that the United States has been put into work for a very long time for this time in history. And I firmly believe uh, the best days of this country are still ahead of it. But we are in a uh, tumultuous time where there is a lot of a lot of change that is necessary, and that's by the way fairly normal. 
we're in transition where the, and that's a fun time to be on this planet. Uh, and we could talk about a lot of people dropping in for this very moment for this reason. It's a fun time to be on the planet because this is literally 10,000 years in the making. Agreed. Give or take. And so, and as far as I can tell, we've been here at least two other times that I'm consciously aware of. And both times, we know the end, we fucked it up. We you literally blew, the Roman? Up, blew up. No, not Roman. The, this is um, the two societies that I'd be citing is Lumeria and um, um, uh, Atlantis, mm. um, which through tectonic shifts and the, literally the entire planet reset itself, literally. Like it would, it would be like, easiest way to describe it is the designer's we're like, okay, that didn't work. Yeah. Reset, take the gen genetic material and design that is there and let it rebuild itself. Yep. So like you burn the whole bitch to the ground and build it over and help it do this again. So mm. the, the big difference is in this particular run, <coughs> we relied more heavily on material science, right? Physics as we know it. Yep. And so more of the material world and sciences it's related to that which is a that is a pivot which they felt would be more stable for humans to learn from than science than spiritual technology spiritual yep. technology is much cleaner way cleaner from a, an environmental standpoint but is far more powerful and has a bigger effect where like your your room for error is way less um and so this is getting really into the weeds very, very quickly, but at the end of Atlantis, which it's interesting that people want to play down Atlantis. You know who you know who we get all of our understanding of Atlantis from? Socrates. Oh, okay. Who is, you know, nobody contends the reality. He had a an uncle, Solaris, I believe, uh, who had gone to Egypt and was reading the text about Atlantis in Egypt um, 300 years before Plato. Yeah, Socrates. So <clears throat> anyway, he it, well, everything we understand about Atlantis really comes through him, about the superior civilization that ruled, and then they became haughty and arrogant, and their entire city was swallowed up in the ocean, which, by yep. the way, the Atlantic Ocean, Atlantis. And that's a reset. That was that's a, a conscious <coughs> reset. It was a total reset. Yeah. So it's interesting if you look at the pyramids, we still don't understand how the pyramids were built, and they were not built in this millennium. They were a holdover from that time period and even the Egyptians at that time acknowledged that. The original pyramids, they didn't even understand how to use the technology. We also know that all the continents fit. Right. Well, that's, yeah, Pangaea, at mm -hmm. some point, they all fit together. Mm -hmm. So, and we know that we're now finding archaeology at the bottom of the ocean that is unexplainable. Anyways, more and more is happening in the world. We're like, okay. So, it's funny. And the reason we're finding this out now is because we're ready to try this again. Okay. Which is the humanity gets a shot at ascension where we, through our design are able to fully express ourselves in body and spirit and ascend into the fifth dimension. Consciousness rises to that point, which is largely a massive scientific experiment to see if it's possible, right? And so using spiritual technology, um, we got pretty close, but the egoic consciousness seemed to have, there was a, a power struggle, ended up essentially resetting the planet. But um, using mostly um it was much cleaner like like for instance which is hard for a lot of people to get and we're jumping right into it but a lot of the, the things that have endured through time we still don't know how they were built functionally like the pyramids like that it's have anybody tried to we explain can send someone to, you, to the moon but 
We have no idea. We're not good we, on that. And there are people who are trying to project theories, but the fact be, we, with today's technology, we could not build the pyramids with the cranes we use today. Right. Right. So it's what you hear is throw enough, throw enough slaves at it, 16,000 or 160,000 slaves, and we could do it. I'm like, yeah, they had to go up and then down a chamber in the middle. Um, well, the understanding of that technology was that essentially we were using telekinesis to move those things, which can be a hell of a jump for some people to understand. And still, you, until you start looking at other things, Easter Island, the largest statue in Easter Island is 70 feet tall. Stonehenge doesn't make a lot of sense. It, yeah, it's like from 200 miles away, those stones moved. So there are, there are technologies, there were things, something was going on that there are things we can't explain based on what we thought of the people who built them. Yep. Um, pyramids are an interesting one. You see pyramids on multiple continents around the world. But anyway, all that to say, We've been on this run where we get to about this 10,000-year mark, and we have an opportunity to ascend or blow up. And so here we are again. And in this case, we used physical technology to get this far because we believed it would be much more stable and diffused, okay. um, which it generally has been, save the atom bomb, which I guess, as I understand, was a very real threat for some time, but now is way off its highs. Um, but there was, in the 1950s and into the early 60s, there was a very real threat of humanity destroying itself with nuclear war. People talk about this as like it's the scariest time in the world. Are you kidding? Uh, like the American Civil War, anybody? The, Do you have the, any idea how horrifying children, that would be? Children talk about it like this is the hardest time in history. Like in children, I mean like about under the age of 20. Totally. And, and it's like no doubt the same group that thought history was a waste of time or thought that history should be rewrote or right. has a lot of inconvenient truths in it. Yeah. But yeah, you don't have to go too far back in history. 1960, um, you know, we have, in the 1960s we had uh, JFK get assassinated. We were 13 seconds away from nuclear war. Cuban Talking, Missile Crisis, right? Right, and then uh, bomb shelters, nuclear bomb shelters were like a thing. Like this is what we're yeah. gonna do if nuclear war happens. Right, and, and it, which it's important to say, even as we say that, is not to make light that there aren't very real issues right, in our world right now. There are real issues in our world. There are very real things that we have to overcome. It's just the mind, through its desire to feel special, wants to believe that its suffering now is the worst it's ever been. Yeah. We, like, humans are the best at wanting to make their suffering special. And it, it, to me, it's absolutely hilarious that it's, like... Nothing dude, validates the ego more. Yeah, like, what the fuck? What, what, like, be special in your pleasure. Why pick suffering? Right, you know what I mean? Like it's it's own, leave it to humans it's to ancient. think. To think, oh yeah, oh yeah, it is. Well, it let is me ask ancient. you this, and, and and we are a little in the weeds, but I I, I want to bring it back to, what do you want to do, or what would you do in political? Like, because you said there's a lot of things that you do think. Like, what would you do? What would be like ref, any like reforms off the top of your head that you want to be interested in? Yeah, so you major on majors, not on minors. Um, so a few things. One. Be a catalyst for change that brings unity, where the majority is truly represented. Mm. Um, and, and, and again, whether it be a country, whether it be a individual, a person, a business, these characteristics remain the same for the healthiest, long-lasting relationships. They're shared vision. We have an agreed-upon way that we're moving forward in the world. Right? And so that's important to me. And it's, that's broken right now right we we're kind of the u.s is fairly listless right now like we're, we're not our listing i guess we're, we don't really know where we're 
where our direction is anymore because we've become much like many other empires. We've become fat, uh, inefficient, and very self-interested. Right? And there are other countries that are coming up right now with a chip on their shoulder. China's being China being one of them, which I don't see them as an enemy at all. Uh, they potentially could become an enemy and a very real threat, but I don't see them inherently as an enemy. Um, we just got to get better at working with people. And we, you know, owned the show for a very long time. And, and as we sh- should rightfully had, but great leadership is knowing when to step aside or make room for others. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that we need to do. And it's important to do, but that comes down to trust. So one is unity, but you got a shared vision. Number two is shared values. So we got we to gotta get calibrated around uh, a set of values that everyone is behind. And then we got to have a way that we deal with real conflict. Right? Like our, our system yeah. for dealing with conflict is non-existent. And so now you get a situation in, in American politics where even I've heard it over and over again in the eighties and nineties, um, you'd have politicians yelling at each other from across the aisle from different parties, but they'd go have a beer and a sandwich afterwards and talk it out. Like they weren't enemies. They just right. had, they were on the other side. Now it's like they don't spend any time talking to each other. It's highly aggressive. It, it's just <laughs> the like, I'm just going to push. Yes, yeah, so I'm just going to push my agenda. I don't give up. Like that is incredibly, incredibly dysfunctional. It's scary for the highest levels of government to be functioning that way. Yeah, and and so you, there's where the work is, and it, it's. I get why this is happening is because our ideologies are changing, which were somewhat inevitable, um, considering what our country was built on, right? And, and and as we become more successful, you have more people that want to come here. The more people that want to come here, the more that they have a an impact on how things look and see, and they're bringing their flavor from where they came from. So you see a lot of cultural, like the values aren't what they used to be because um, we're not, the, the downside to our, our culture is we're not a homogenous group. We never have been, which is beautiful until it isn't. When you look at the most stable countries, no, not surprisingly, the happiest countries in the world are all in Scandinavia. It makes me laugh. It's like, obviously, that's our, our genetic bloodline. But they're also highly homogenous countries, yeah. right? which makes sense. Why? Because you have shared vision, shared values, and shared way you deal with conflict. It isn't a melting pot, pot like it is here. So let me ask you, because what I've noticed in history, especially American history, there's usually crisis right and then growth correct so do we have to like uh, would you want to is that what you're saying you want to like find a way to not have crisis for growth I, I hope that we run into a a way to move forward that does not involve um, a world war three right. or a dire economic situation but historically that's usually what unifies everyone right we have a common enemy vision yep. we have values we're doing this for king and country. The men are fighting, the, the women are making bullets. Right, yeah. right. And, then, and we know who our enemy is. So the conflict resolution is a lot cleaner. So, unfortunately, and, that, and that's usually, you know, the United States, the countries that are coming up very often see us as the enemy. If you go, if you go look at China and you look at how they're running uh, war games, they're not running it against fucking Japan or Iran. They're running it against the United States, right? That's, they have a common... I don't know if hopefully they wouldn't say we're enemy, but at least the adversary are there. And we, we made them with like, we literally made them. I'll tell you a quick story. It's funny. I was flying from Brussels to Stockholm to go visit Johanna. And I was sitting next to this, like he was in a business suit, nice man. He spoke English, high, high Swedish accent. And he actually said to me, which I didn't at the time I was just chatting, but he said, he's like, you guys have so much potential, but you guys keep screwing it up. And I, I remember that hit me, you know, and he said it in his like really deep, 
deep Scandinavian accent. I was like, okay. Well, I, I love that you're saying that. And I feel the same. We have an incredible potential here. We just need better leadership. And that's why I eventually will run or will find somebody to run. Well, I, uh, I, uh, I endorse these ideas, my friend. We got it. We, one is we got to get, we got to get united um, and realize that what there's far more unites us than separates us. Agreed. Uh, and it's, again, if you study history, it's the country, the, the empire has always crumbled from the inside out. Yeah. It was always internal division and strife and usually large levels of, of liberal immorality, if you will, uh, just a lack of moral compass or values that lead to the destruction of countries. And it's like, does anybody read anymore? And then it sucks when you say that and people are like, oh, history is only written by the, the victor. And it, like, what the fuck else do we have to go on? This to, like it's not even this true. is why I collect. I know you know you do too, but the, the Napoleon. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That was written at the time. At the time he was alive. Exactly. So then it's like, go ahead and try to reconstruct history. What are you going on, fuckstick? Yeah. I have a book that was written when he was still alive. Exactly. Where versus like, he wasn't vilified. No, he wasn't. Statistically, a lot of of things have changed since of separation of church and state. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about that because. Do we need the unified religion or did the religion unify us? Do you know what I'm saying? Yep, yep. So what is that? Like, I'm, I'm curious what you think. So what, what Judeo-Christian, um, there, there is a, uh, a negative residual effect of Judeo-Christian culture too. Sure, yeah. Um, there is a karmic uh, debt that is being paid into that now, which is why we're seeing the, the negative side of it. Unpack that. Because that was in the 60s, right? Yeah. Where we said and, no and, more Bible and... And I will explain in a second, okay. but it did bring a set of shared values and, and religion functions for humanity like scaffolding. It supports the value systems as yeah. they're being built. So they have something to go on. Yeah. Um, I don't, I, we may see a kind of resurgence or revival of Judeo-Christian values, but the face of Christianity is, is going to change radically and it's going to look much different. It, it will become largely irrelevant because, you know, it's, it's uh, I think right there in, in, I think it's 2 Timothy, if I remember correctly, maybe it's Thessalonians. 2 Timothy, yeah. Um, having a, a form of godliness, but, but denying its power. Right. Where what happens then is then it becomes very much an intellectual pursuit, which inevitably turns to judgment. And so Christianity lost its way because it started to become irrelevant because it became more a mechanism for judging people yeah. than it did for helping people. And without the power, like, like Christ was effective because um, before he ever communicated the truth in words, he demonstrated the truth in power. Mm. So people listened because they're like, what the fuck? You just, you know, made that guy walk and he was born lame, right? Or like, oh, that guy was dead and now he's not. I'm listening. Um, is there a watershed of impact from values? Because like that's what it was, right? Like the Ten Commandments is a set of values. You have values for FCG, right? So like, how big can you scale something before it's just like and it too isn't splintered? It, and it, it isn't. I mean, s scalability is a thing, and that's I think part of the reason the Scandinavian countries have largely stayed healthy and and whole and peaceful is because they are largely homogenous groups of people who have a shared value system, and they have horrifically hard immigration. Right, which is hilarious. People are like, well, why can't we be like... I'm like, listen, motherfucker. First of all, you could take all the Scandinavian countries together combined and they're not the size of the United States. Mm. Um, and, and so... True. You know, it's like, well, why can't we be like them? Like, well, we should probably look at what makes them them. But values is one. Because we're a melting pot, 
people bring their values and their desires, right, uh, with them. Yeah. And so if they don't integrate, and, and if the American culture is strong enough, then they'll inherit the American culture. But over time, if the system gets too top-heavy, then you see a, a disconnect in values. But going back to to Christianity, um, it's a powerful, it was a powerful kind of manual on how to live. Exactly. Right? And it, it worked, but the residual downside of it is it comes with heavy amounts of judgment. And so... And we, we've seen this mistake a few times, um, but you see an incredible amount of judgment that ultimately makes it irrelevant. So instead of being able to intelligently and relationally navigate through some of the, the tougher issues in our society, it just judges people. And as soon as you do that, judgment creates separation, separation creates division, and now you have no influence. Mm. And so you've seen that over and over again. Over and over again. Um, and not the, the first time, um, the Catholic Church did this, right? I mean, science as we know it today was really born out of an antithesis for religion and specifically the Catholic Church because from its pompous place of, of arrogance, it wanted to insist it knew how everything was in the world and to listen to it. And oh, by the way, we're the only ones that can read this book. Uh, and so we're going to make up whatever the fuck we want and you're going to listen. Because <laughs> there's so much legalese and terminology you won't understand it. Anymore. Yeah, and it's just, and then just the trust, of us but, get just, it, though. but just trust us. It's yeah. going to be good. Right, and then and then Galileo very simply is trying to explain and Confucius before him. Hey guys, I think we're in a heliocentric universe, not a geocentric. And they're like, oh no no no. Emancipated minds always connect things and say they're almost the same, guys. And yeah. they're like, no, yeah, it's like, no, they're not, no, they're not. So then, so what ends up happening? Well, then you have this massive distrust for the church, and okay, we're going to come up with a formula for discerning the world that is fair and rational and logical. You, know, yep. you get into the Enlightenment era and the Industrial Revolution comes from that and science had a massively powerful and positive impact on the world. Mm -hmm. But it's still, when we react to error, we cause more error. It was born out of an antithesis for the church. So if you notice, science to this day has this tangingness to like the way it talks about, like you, 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 as an example, if you hear a scientist talk about love or compassion, They'll literally say, I'm a scientist. I shouldn't feel this way. As yeah. if they have to disclose their scientific <laughs> mind is a reason for why they can't experience uh, an emotion. It's like, God, what are we doing? That happened because it became a response to religion. Again, when we react to error, we cause more error. And so, and then for the last, specifically the last couple hundred years, science has really been able to pick up a lot of the low-hanging fruit in the world as far as truth and understanding goes, just employing the scientific method, right? There was a lot of things we were trying to understand. Scientific method does a long ways to helping us understand our world. But now it's at its fringes, right? Because it, its its capacity essentially is the first three dimensions. And there is an insane amount of arrogance inside of the scientific community that is not unlike what the Catholic Church was doing. Yeah. Where now you see in the last couple couple years especially, oh, we're scientists. It's scientifically proven. Like, we'll quiet any voice that isn't us. We will challenge any voice or try to, you know, attack any voice that challenges the institution. Like, where the fuck have we seen this play before? Yeah, totally. It's the Catholic Church all over again, which is, again, it is a human tendency because if you react to error, you cause more error. Mm. So it's not surprising to me to see the, the scientific community acting like the church today, only thinking the scientific method is a, a far superior reason to do so. Totally. Uh, just like 
you know, the people, uh, the Catholic Church thought the Bible was a far superior reason to do. And I like both the Bible and the scientific community. Totally. So for me, it's just like, guys, get your heads out of your asses. Like, I both love Buddha of you. and Jesus. Yes, exactly. It's, it's like, like, see the whole beautiful. instead of your divided little parts, and this world will get a lot better. Yeah. Uh, but science is probably, there's a, a lot of people are confused why science isn't trusted anymore. Mm. And, and, and all you have to do is go, well, why did the church not, why was the church no longer trusted? Mm. Uh, and you'll hear things like, well, the church didn't have humans' best interest in heart. Okay, good. The church used religion and scripture to get people to do really stupid, insane things. Good. The church <laughs> abused its power to generate revenue for governments and itself. Oh, oh. good. How, wait, wait. Are we talking about the church or are we talking about science? <laughs> Somewhere I... <laughs> cue the last three years. 100%. The amount of times I heard it's been scientifically proven and like, get the fuck out of here with that phrase. And unproven. And then unproven and then proven and then unproven. And here's the reason why. Again, I'm not against science. The scientific method is a beautiful tool for trying to understand your world. The issue is it still has humans involved. Yeah. And as long as humans are involved, their perspective, their biases, their agendas get involved. As long as I observe it, it can't be what I think it is. That's a rule. As as a whole, your subjectivity, even in the scientific method, is going to create problems. But we can get past some of that. It's more the the biases of human nature and the human agenda to push p- particular things, you'll just find a new weapon to uh, to use. And in yeah. this case, science has been weaponized. Yeah. Which is, this is my favorite thing to ask every time he says that. I'm like, which scientists? Yeah. Which group are you referring and to? Because there isn't scientists that have different views. Right. Because then, and, that and tells then why you are we not okay with that? Exactly. And that's the problem is, is because science is at its fringes now of what it can explain. So now it's doing the same fucking thing the church did, yeah. and it's just making it up as it goes. And now it's getting exposed. And by the way, the spiritual text was like incomprehensible to the layman. The la- nobody could speak it, and so it was driven by a small sect of people, and everyone else was like, what did he say? I don't know. It was just do what clap. he says. Do what he clap. says. Yeah, do what he says. Clap, clap, clap. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go again. Why? Because humans are horrifically bad at remembering. Ooh, totally. That is all we did. Just remember. That's like my message everywhere I go. Just remember. Yeah. Right. Just be- ask yourself, how could this be so? How could this be different? Right? Is there another way to look at this? Help me remember. Uh, and if we began to remember, this world will change in a positive way yeah, much quicker. And I think history, just study history. So here's a fun one. So in business, in whatever, how are you, what are you using right now to stay present? And what I mean by that is like practice. Do you have any practices that you're using? Just because obviously you're, you're getting pulled in a million. I've watched you this morning go from like five different intensive, you're needed, you're the focal point, small, big, whatever. How do you, how do you stay present? Um, how do I st- assuming you do? It's it's an interesting thing. That question is interesting to me because I can understand the hu- human experience in this, but for me the the question is how are you not present? Like where else are you? Mm-hmm. So as a whole, which isn't to say that I don't I don't spend very little time. I spend very little time in the past unless it's studying it for some kind of precedent or understanding of how things are going to go as the old saying goes the easiest way to predict the future is to understand the past um which isn't to say that's 100 percent accurate but it's a great place to start um i'm naturally a strategist and a planner so i do spend time in the future but as a whole i don't struggle being present because i don't know where else i would be if i'm not present i'm not here yep 
and, I, and that's probably worth saying again, if I'm not present, it means I'm not here. Yeah. So then where the fuck am I? Let me say it another way. I think a lot of people with what's pulled on them wouldn't be able to stay present. So how do, is there a practice that you use to do that? Or is that a practice you've done so often that now it's part of you? Yeah. And I, unfortunately, if it starts with you inherited it, then it's not going to help. Anybody. I know. I know. That's what I'm trying to. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm I don't remember. I don't remember a time not uh, being present. Yeah, I don't either. And if well, it, I do. I mean, I've had seasons of pain. Seasons, yeah, yeah, seasons. Seasons of pain. But if I wasn't present, it was because I was escaping the, the season of pain or yeah, trying yeah, my yeah. best to do so. Um, I haven't I haven't struggled with being present. That's To me, that's the reason to be here. Otherwise, why be here? So, but tools, somewhat, yeah, it's a so muscle, right, it's right, a muscle right. like any other. So you just practice gently bringing your mind back to the present moment. My experience has been whoever is most present in any conversation has the most influence and power. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense to be present. Mm. Um, so my, my first book that I'm writing, uh, which will be out before the end of the year is on identity shortly thereafter probably in 2024 my second book will be on attention mm. which is to your question that's the reason is yeah. because attention we have to learn how to take back our attention like think about this christ was so present and so aware of his energy field that a woman grabbed the hem of his garment and he knew it mm -hmm. right because that was a energetic exchange that mm -hmm. he was fully aware of now any of us could have the capacity to do that if we were present to do that. Yep. Um, so to me, that's the game. And I, I get asked quite a bit for whatever reason. Every time I go on live, people, somebody wants to ask me if I believe in Jesus, which is such an odd. I get the human reason for asking that, but it's such an odd question to me. Really? Um, yeah, because there's a lot that is, one, in a, especially in, in Judeo-Christian culture, to say, do you believe in Jesus? If I say yes, which is accurate, obviously, then the mind of the human, of the you inherit their whole story about what they think that means. Yeah, so you have to unpack it real first before you go in. Right, and I don't, and I don't know you generally have time to do that, nor do I want to unpack it that way. So, but, so either don't answer the question, or I'm like, well, yes, of course I believe in Jesus. But I don't, again, to the to particular group of people asking that question, that comes with their own assumptions about what they think that means. Yeah. And I find a lot of communication is getting really good at understanding, operating through, and clearly penetrating other people's assumptions. Yeah. Which sometimes means you get somewhat wordy in what you're saying, or you allow them to, I guess sometimes it strategically can make sense to allow them to make their assumptions and not do anything about it. Yeah. God Emperor. I'm, I'm going to get it. I'm pretty sure I read the... the no, you couldn't have. But I... Yeah. You couldn't have. Do you know about the twins? Uh, that's his sons, right? Paul's? Yeah. He has a daughter and a son. But they're, but they're twins. They're twins. Does sound familiar. And, it, like, and this Frank Herbert and, and Tolkien are so, so deep with, and that's what, like, most people read fantasy. They weren't contemporaries, they, though, right? He was, hmm? or Frank Herbert was next generation, right? Totally contemporaries. They were contemporaries? Yeah, oh, yeah. Tolkien died in the 80s. And Frank, and Herbert wrote Dune in the 60s. So, yeah. Get the fuck out of here. I don't know if they hung out, but I know that they were relatively contemporary. Tolkien was around in the 80s? Yeah, he died in the 80s. That can't be. I promise you. Live forever. It's not the these 80s, guys, these happy writers. Yeah. Oh, wow. 73, yeah. 70s, that's a long time ago. A, I were, I, it's hard to know anybody who was born in the 70s. We had a... <laughs> yeah, no, that was a long time ago. I can't believe we still be alive. 
the uh, <laughs> the start stop on the '60s. Maybe it wasn't a stop. Maybe it was a a first hurrah that led to a, a solidification. But they were on to something in the '60s. Oh, for there sure. There was a massive for sure. tectonic revolution that was happening under the surface. That I don't know if it was a combination of their own immaturity, lack of leadership, which is possible, and then suppression by groups that didn't like it, kind of transmuted it or suppressed it. But it's coming back. And, and I'm like, as I'm studying that time period, it's like it's where you get the civil rights movement. Um, people, you know, the only war that we've uh, the Vietnam War, which technically wasn't even a war in the military, uh, police action. People, were, we had Americans going, I don't want to go to war. I don't want to go kill someone on the other side of the country. And then you start looking at what's going on. It's like LSD was was yeah, the psychedelic revolution. The psychedelic revolution was going on. People were changing the way they were looking at their world. And then frickin' Nixon comes out and goes, oh, no, no, no none no, of no, this no. is good for my agenda, so let's make, let's make psychedelics illegal. Let's squash these things. Yeah, it's like just so incredibly short-sighted, and now we're realizing the incredible medicinal impact of psychedelics to help people with PTSD, anxiety, depression, um, and they're not a, a biologically addictive substance at all. Nobody does fucking ayahuasca and then turns around and goes yeah let's run it back again it's not something that happens yeah um you don't go driving you don't go do anything wild and that was like that was a liberated time 100 percent. like melange just sorry i keep going back to this melange is like that's exactly what that is oh yeah that's melange fuels the ability to to travel in between planets which is that was what the harvesters were getting right going on trips right Right, and so that's why arrakis became dune and so it's so relevant to this whole story is the ability to trans transmit through time and space and melange allows that that's that's why i'm telling you like there's so many layers in that that's what they uh the the sparkly blue that's what they do in the book but it's not how it goes yeah they uh, they put it in everything in the books like they have they, they have melange coffee every day and like it's all it's part of their life just like it is in, in many parts of South America. Yeah. Um, like the, when we, when psilocybin came back in the sixties, they all went down to this woman. She was the first like Mexico, shaman. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they ruined the city and ruined her. She was stoned and they burned her house down because everybody wanted to come down and, and I, this is a poor term, but Americanize it. And the woman who founded it down there was stoned and cast out because they were like, you ruined our city. I just wa- have you have you watched Change Your Mind on uh, Netflix? Yeah, fantastic. That's what it is. That's well, where I learned that. Um, I haven't gotten to that episode. My next episode is on psilocybin, yep, yep. Uh, so I haven't gotten there. But I, I did. I have the book, uh, which is also a tome called Change Your Mind, and that's uh, Polian? No, not Polian. Michael yeah. Polin. Polin. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm I am very excited about the psychedelic revolution again. Yeah, and, uh, and so again. going back to the political questions. That is something I would fast track if it isn't already done, and hopefully it is done by the time I'm in office. I would yeah. fast track the legalization of basically all drugs, um, not because I am a fan of taking drugs to escape your world. I'm not. What I am a bigger enemy of is telling people what to do with their fucking bodies. Yeah. Like, this this drives me up a wall. It's crazy. Like, the idea that you could pick up a mushroom in the woods, eat it, and by law... You are, you are uh, take, making a criminal act. Be taken away from your family. You're like, are you out yep. of your fucking mind? That's like, what I, we do. That's what we do. Yeah, I, I, most laws are created to solve for stupid. The problem is, is if that's how you decide to solve for problems, you will literally make your society 
stupid. Yep. And that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. Like we're, we're killing free thinking. We're killing freedom of expression. Uh, it's a very interesting time. And I, it, in, in, the, in the effort to constantly control people and solve for stupid. Here's a crazy idea. Let them be them. And if they tap out as a result of that, that's on them. Yeah. Because they're going to get another shot. Yeah, they're going to get another I'm shot. They're sure. going to have to figure it out. And here's the other thing. Ugh. Someone in a tribe is is unstable, depressed, moody, schizophrenic. Guess where they go? To the shaman. Right. Come talk to the shaman. And they work on it. Yeah, like, and there's community and connection there. And it's now, for free. For those who are wondering around the policy around that, this is what I would say. I wouldn't... I wouldn't... I think fentanyl is straight evil. Scary. Um, yeah. In in that in what's happening there is very very scary. So there are certain there are certain drugs that I would still not make accessible or at least educate people on to why to stay the fuck. Just Usually, stop making it. Just growing, yeah. Jeez. Growing up, even like the quote unquote druggy community knew to stay away yes. from heroin and fentanyl. They're like, these are all good, but stay the fuck away from that. Yeah. Like, what is happening right now? So uh, there are certain there are certain drugs that the risk is is on another level. So maybe you restrict the ability to get to that quickly, or maybe not, but. To me, you get to choose what put, gets put in your body. You also have to own the responsibility That's of whatever right. happens. That's right. Right? So whatever those consequences are, you also own the responsibility of that. That is a much, to me, a much more effective way to teach people how to think versus forcing them what to think. So we're just trying to police everybody's sandbox. Right. And, and that like, sucks. No, that's why people aren't growing. Correct. And then what happens is so when you do that, the system eventually like creates Neo. Yeah. Right. Somebody who says, okay, this no longer works. The whole system needs to come down because you're repressing human consciousness. Yeah. And that's what's happening. It's like, it's so now it's like there's these, there's these huge, well, my, so my favorite of the three in the, the, the matrix series is by far number one, but my favorite dialogue in the entire series uh, is his dialogue with the architect. With the architect, yes. And this is the whole fucking thing. They're like, we made a perfect world, Neo. You yeah. guys just rejected it. Yeah. And so we had to create this imperfect world that had this anomaly that kept carrying, carrying, carrying until Neo it produced the Messiah, totally. essentially, or Neo. We have to. But it, it's when you repress force, repression of understanding growth and, and consciousness on a group, it eventually will rebel. Mm. Whereas if you give it space and freedom, the whole universe... Uh, wants to come to homeostasis it's it's by design seeking for homeostasis yeah and that was the big aha um you know if you've read i'm sure you have joseph campbell's work oh, yeah. uh, the hero's journey that which inspired um star wars which is top three maybe top five um universes for me i really enjoy the star wars series for a number of reasons but i didn't hear it forever until i heard it so in my mind in the early days when i heard it bring balance to the force i thought oh yeah the jedi win right right. you're supposed to bring the jedi are supposed to overcome the the sith and bring balance no 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 the balance is neither right right neither have to exist Mm. like fuck me it was there the whole time and i didn't see it right that's homeostasis yes and so we're all the, the universe the physical world is always looking by design for homeostasis so if you go too fucking far this direction dude just do the math it's coming back the other direction dude um, i can talk to you about this you know i'm fascinated with anatomy and physiology and all that stuff like i we talk about health nuts what does that even mean why did that ever need to happen oh boy don't you, do you understand what, like so he we were talking about homeostasis your body will live a very long time 
as long as you simply give it what it asks for. Yes. And stop putting all this crap in that is just incredible. Like, it, there's no, there's no mystery to me about diabetes, about the, you know, the big four killers as no, far I, as aspirin calls them. Yeah. There's no mystery to that stuff. I look at, I, at people in our family. I'm like, <laughs> dude, it's Coca-Cola. It's, you know what I'm saying? It's mainlining garbage, but your body is desperately at all times trying to get you there. So if you sleep too much, it's probably because your body's trying to detox you. And that's yep. a sign. You know what I'm saying? Yep. It, like this world is, is I think, a, a manifestation of us. The kingdom of heaven it is within us. It 100% is. So and the, that's, the, the earth is doing the same thing. And that's the work right now in raising consciousness is realizing we're creating this. How many people have to be conscious? Or how many, what one conscious person carries one to a thousand you think so yeah well and it depends on how conscious they are it is well it depends on if you're over 200 and this is an arbitrary number based on transcending levels of consciousness it compounds to the 10th power on every level so it can get like where you could have a few a few that are coming in that seven to one thousand range that are holding down the planet yep but as they bounce and some of them are it's because there's a newer generation stepping up which i'm very excited about do you know tick Oh yeah, when mm-hmm. he passed, like there, were, I I felt it. the reverberation for sure. Yeah, and there there are so much. There are many beings that are here simply to hold space, and many of them, because they're here to hold sp- like, once you get to a certain level of enlightenment, you much of the world's drama becomes disinteresting to you. Like you're not chasing success for success' sake. You're not. You're not. It's not that you wouldn't. It's not that you don't want money or you don't want to drive a Lamborghini or you don't want to live in a big house, but it doesn't, it's not your identity. So okay. many of them are here and are not known by design. They're not trying to be known. Their entire reason for being here is simply to hold energetic space. They could be living in a fucking cave or in the jungle somewhere and be totally happy. And then there are others who are probably pulling like Batman like status where they have this playboy image to the world. And on the other end they're, you know, um, what I was going to share, I, I, I'm almost 100% confident that's my whole role this time. And, that, and, that's, and I've been rejecting that. And that's where all the pain has been. It's just to hold space. Yeah. yeah. I feel it very, because I, I feel people all the time. And it's, and it's hard for a lot of different reasons for me. But then when I'm in that space, I'm whole. You're and like, it's yep. like, yeah. And I can be there so peacefully. And like I hold space for you all the time. I, I hold know. space for my kids. But like I'm starting to hold space for humanity yeah yeah well it's a muscle you flex and then you can get stronger and stronger at it yeah and you can create creation happens from being in action yep right so a lot of people who are stuck in the rat wheel rat race many are very very successful they're still stuck in doing because they're trying to run from something right there yeah just one more million and I'll be happy. One more million and everything will be good. One more million and, right, or whatever it is. So I am a huge advocate of success, uh, defined however you want. I'm a massive advocate of money. I think money is a lot of fun and, and, uh, and a very useful tool. But don't misunderstand what, I'm, what I am not saying. It can't be, or it can be if you want it to be, but it is a horrible master. Right? That is, we were never meant to serve money. Money was meant to serve us. Totally. And too many people are chasing things because they're not wanting to do the internal work. And so it's like a, it's like a, it reminds me of the, the story of the man that had the dream. And every time he dropped into this dream, he was being chased by a tiger. And he, he's, he's talking to, I think he was talking to a, um, a therapist about it, if I remember the story right. And he 
kept chasing. Get, he'd, he'd drop into this dream, and he'd keep he'd keep running from this tiger. And he's like, dude, I keep having the same fucking dream over and over and over again. I keep running from this tiger. And I think the therapist was like, well, have you asked it what it wants? Right? And he's like, oh, fuck, no. <laughs> Why would I do that? He was like, it's a fucking tiger. I'm like, who does that? You dropped your wallet. <laughs> so he finally does, and he turns around, and it opens up this entire journey to him hmm. that he was running away from his destiny, mm-hmm. essentially. And so a lot of people get busy as a way to run away from the work. Mm-hmm. Right? And so then they get stuck. And, and so, and I'm at this point in my life, just the amount of people I interact with and coach and, and develop it, from all walks of life, I see this where it's like, it doesn't, if you do the work more often than not, your natural state in all cases, you do the work, your natural state is abundance, but abundance will look different to different people based on what they're doing, their calling, their desires. Totally. Right. And so, and, and that's the frame, which like, I never try to tell somebody what success looks like. To me, success is a fully optimized human being that is 100% aware or remembering who they are. That's the pursuit of pure success. As to what those gifts look like, how they function, it will look different uh, to different people. So what I would say is don't chase the world's definition of success, though I don't like saying that sometimes too, because then what you see is this uh, essentially rebellion or anti-success as success, which is very common in our culture right yeah, now. Yeah, totally. Right? It's the, yeah, yeah. I don't have possessions because I don't want to be statist, but that is my status. And it's always right on the hills of them not having any possessions because they fucked up. It's just, yeah. <laughs> like, it, it's, like, you see it all it's the like, time. It's, uh, totally, a it's totally a choice. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't do relationships that. anymore after you got divorced. <laughs> right. It's, right. I figured out that just wasn't my thing. Oh, the work so, is always obvious, right? right? It is. Because it's, it's, it's like a peaceful, and this always comes from love, too, where you can sense that it's like a choice, and that's very different than a reactive. Totally, yeah. right? And that, it, that's that's your choice point. So you may get to a certain point where it's like, hey, these things are important to me. These things aren't important to me. Yeah. Right? So for me, the tools that, that I need and are equipped with to do the work I'm here to do involve certain levels of materialism and status, but it has nothing to do with who I am. And that's, nope. it's, it's people are starting to figure that out as they get to see my content and get to know me. They're like, oh, wow, you're, you're not what we thought. And I realize I've heard that in my entire life. Yeah. My well, entire life. I feel like I've been misunderstood and people will be like, you're not you what we what thought you told you Adam and I at Oak table. I'm a conduit. I'm a conduit. <laughs> I'm <laughs> yes. not joking. And like, and I, that's what I love about you so much is I've ne- you don't accumulate to stagnate or to have. It's you. You are the one of the most generous people I've ever met, and you're gen- you were generous before you had in, like possessions, and so that's your nature. So that I think is the trust and why the attraction level is so strong is because this is a this is coming from a healthy, heartfelt place. Like that's what I feel. Yeah, and I've 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 had a first. You know, I've been in the front row the whole time. Yeah, this is the work. I appreciate you, brother. <laughs> I love you. Was, was I great. can't watch the Mandal- fucking Mandalorian anymore because of you. This is every the time they say this is the work. I'm like, oh, no, it doesn't say this is the work though. It says uh, oh, this is the way. This is the yeah, way. But I know why spoken. you say it. Yeah, yeah, the way you say it is always how he says it. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> Do we all have to start wearing helmets and like? <laughs> mm. So you need to fit. You need to finish um, book two, book three, book four. Five and six, they go into the weeds, but okay. book four is the um, the penultimate experience. Well, in, I'm, I'm in, 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 and I need a break. Fiction. I need a break from the wheel of time, as it. As Bro, it. I'm, just to give you a little idea, the to me, the wheel of time is the flea on the tiger compared to the Dune series. Jesus, no joke. Okay. It's kids' well, child's play. 
Well, I, I love that. That's the uh, language is richer, but um, Wheel of Time is amazing for its own reasons. But yeah, I've enjoyed the Wheel of Time. I we'll just close here, but I'll just come in full circle on the book thing. Most and you know this. Most of my growing up, I actively avoided fiction. Yeah, because I felt like it was useless. That was us. Right. Blue and red, fiction, nonfiction. Yeah, like what the fuck Science am I going to what, what am I going to do with <laughs> I remember non-factual that. information? Yeah, yeah. Like that seems useless to me. And then it, it, it came back to me in remembrance finally. Like, oh right, some of the, what, the the original word that I heard that that pondered this is, what is the difference between fiction and nonfiction? And I was like, what do you mean? Right, that was the remembrance. That was the crack of light that brought in. I'm like, but fiction is, and nonfiction is. I'm like, it's, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, exactly. okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, and so then I got really obsessed with fiction. And, and fiction, whether it be music, um, art, books, movies, it has the collective ability uh, energetically to impact consciousness at a macro level where you can interject concepts of truth that maybe have been forgotten and can be resurrected in a palatable way through art and literature yeah because it's it's you your mind won't resist it because you go oh this is just fiction right yeah. and it's in a beautiful example of that is when star wars was originally released most of the technology was not something that would have been relatable to right? like there's just no way to understand it now 40 something years later most of the technology is something that we either have a working hypothesis for or in some cases actually have, yeah. uh, which is a really cool thing. Well, what happened? I think it's uh, Aristotle who gets credit for me. It was Plato. But um, saying the art, it was Aristotle, the art and literature of today is a foreshadow of tomorrow mm. because it gives the mind the ability to create an image of what can be yeah. and then begin to create or manifest around that. It's an that. incredible teacher. Yeah, it's a it's the best teacher. It's, it's, it's um, such a good and I if you remember my I wrote a blog about that about, you know, fantasy. Mm -hmm. Like and I got into it because of I was suffering. And you could go into a world and like your brain, literally, my brain would go because I'm you know, when I read, I see it. I visualize everything. And so that's how I gauge the experience is how well did you craft this world for me and then I make it better. Yes. And so yeah, yes. and that's a that's a very powerful meditation. Uh, yeah, and it's, and all yeah. So and all that to say, I think fiction is uh, beautiful. I'm a big fan of it now. Me too. Well, brother, well, we've uh, we've gone long, but hopefully everybody uh, will enjoy this one. It's great having you on. We'll we'll have to do this more often. Oh, you and I chat it up. Plan a little chatsky. Um, let us know what you think. Uh, Joel, do you have any uh, handles here? You, people you want people to find you on? No, no, I don't think so. Yeah, he no, keeps. Uh, it, but I am going to re-enter the world here shortly. You'll see me. Which is exciting. And uh, you're writing much? I am. I'm writing a ton. Good, good. I'm writing a book for my son. Reading right now. and writing. Oh, that's awesome. Well, you were there when I had the spawn of it. Um, the, the fox and the owl. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I'm finishing that now. Cool. I love it. All right. Well, it was a good one. Peace.